body, spirit. The martial arts are a way of life. Attack Life, Not Others is an insight into that life with Tim Hoover and Steve Mittman. Dr. Jared Spencer is back with us in studio. Hi, Jared. Thanks for having me. Hey, good to see you again. Jared is a sports psychologist and author of the book Mind of the Athlete, Clearer Mind, Better Performance. Jared's been on with us before. Today, we want to talk about anxiety. Sensei Hoover, Tim and I, we've been, I mean, we talk about it often. It's the root of all evil, it so is. often. It is. And, you know, when I mentioned it before, when I have the group of adults come in that I still teach, their bodies are tired and their brains are wired. The difference then changes within 10 minutes when we all get together and start this energy thing and start to, what we call a sacred sweat. We burn it off. Yeah. We literally burn it off. And after two hours, we feel good. So. Yeah. That's one way we deal with anxiety. Anyway. I don't think people realize how dangerous anxiety is. We've covered it. We've talked about it. I mean, it ranges. It, it can be funny. Oh, I'm a little anxious. Hey, well, calm down. But it could also go to the extreme where you you do bad things as a result. Yes. I mean, a lot of things going on in the world that we're seeing now are all as a result or were born out of that person or those people being anxious and not being able to handle life. We've never seen the rise of anxiety like we are right now in the American culture. Yeah. It's unprecedented for everybody and especially our youth. Yeah. 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 So getting into sports, getting into a passion, finding something that you can sink your teeth into. That's one way, of course, to reduce anxiety. And that's what we preach with the martial arts, but it doesn't have to be martial arts. It could be crocheting. It could be playing chess, playing soccer. And you specifically deal with athletes, but even athletes who have that passion in a good way, they have something to sink their teeth into. Then they still feel anxious about their passion. How yeah. do you combat that? Well, we have to look at the root of this. And the reality, if we're talking about our athletes today, which tend to be like, you know, 15 to 25 year olds, maybe a little younger. And so what we know for them is this, come with me this weekend to any little league soccer field or baseball field in America. I see where you're going. And you tell me what you see with the adults on the sideline. And it's like the Pavlov's dog concept. Pavlov was a great Russian scientist. He rang a bell, showed a steak, the dog salivated. And he removed the steak, eventually rang the bell, the dog still salivated. It's the same with our kids in sports. We have a little girl playing soccer. As soon as the ball comes near her, dad, who's two inches off the sideline, exactly on the side of the field where she's playing, starts yelling, kick it, kick it, kick it, and creates high anxiety. And she grows up every time playing soccer, especially games, with high anxiety because of the emotionality that the adults, in her case, dad, is bringing to the game. Yeah. I I, think – go ahead, Steve. No, I just get a kick out of that. And let's face it, 90% of – all of these youngsters will not go on to the professional uh, levels. Yes. It's supposed to just be joyous. It's supposed to teach you social interaction and everything else that sports are supposed to teach. Yes, if you're in that 5%, 10% that you're an elite level athlete, you got to take it serious, but most are not. But, you know, you, you look at your position on everybody gets a trophy. Now think about this for a second. And you're against that. And I, you know, my first response is, I am too. But what a trophy does is it makes us excel and want to be good. Now, it's a double-edged sword. So as you grow up, you want to be good. You want to please your parents. You want to please yourself. You want to please your relatives. You want to please your grandfather and your grandmother. Please, please, please. And next thing you know, you want to be good at everything. And to hang on to that is impossible. 
It's impossible. So the next thing you want more, you want a bigger house, bigger car. You want to have it all. And then all of a sudden the ugly head comes up and it's a devil anxiety and you can't sleep in the morning because you don't know how to fix it all anymore. And I think that is what we are grooming all of us to be best at everything. But then how do you cut that cord and say, I'm good where I'm at. Enough is enough. Part of what you're discussing there is parenting and bringing kids up. The biggest fear that an adolescent has growing up is disappointing mom or dad. Mm. It doesn't matter what we do as long as you don't disappoint them. But the truth is, my generation, Generation X, we have raised an entire culture of people putting unbelievable pressure on them to be better, to perform at the highest level. And consequently, we've got an entire generation of young people that's over-scheduled and overwhelmed. Yeah. Now, why that relates to anxiety is this. Our nervous system has two parts. The sympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for go, 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 go. It woke you up this morning. And the parasympathetic, which is relax, relax, relax. It puts you to bed at night. We are seeing people from 6 a.m. go, go, go with no off, no break, no rest. They're burning out. They're anxious. They're overextended. And this is what's driving the rise in anxiety. Yeah, see, and that's what it is, you know. And when do you just go to the point where you say, I'm good. I'm good at what I am. I'm happy with who I am within yeah. myself. I need to chill a little bit. You know, I mean, now we have, I have to say, I have to laugh. We have medicinal marijuana, right. which is going crazy in the state of Pennsylvania. It's almost legal everywhere. Canada is legal and so on, so on, so I mean, we just seem to be taking that, that word anxiety and not fixing it, but actually masking it. And here's the reason why we're having higher anxiety, even among, especially our adults. My generation, generations before me, have the work ethic of the past. And those people worked yeah, they did. really hard. But for the first time in human history, our work ethic has met a technology that we can no longer keep up with. Right. Those guys in the past, when they ended the work on Friday, that was, that it. was it. It doesn't work that way because every time you send an email, you get 1.4 in return. Do the math. You yeah. can't keep, keep up. up. And consequently, for the first time ever, we are feeling high anxiety because our work ethic is matched where we can't keep up with that technology. Right. It's almost impossible. Yes. So because you deal with athletes specifically, and that's what you do with your business, mind of the athlete, you've got uh, you know a baseball player, big mm -hmm. games coming up. Yes. To deal with anxiety, I'm sure you have some, for lack of a better term, tips and tricks and methods sure. to deal with that specifically before the game. Yes. But I can only assume it works better if it's something you regularly do to deal with anxiety, right? Absolutely. It has to be part of your maintenance to deal with that anxiety, not just before the big game, but all of the time. It's a way of life. And so, for example, if the sympathetic nervous system is part of what's driving the anxiety, then we want to engage the parasympathetic, relax, relax, relax. And a way that we can do that is to listen intentionally to relaxing piano music with no lyrics. Mm. I really like the artist named Danny Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. You probably never heard of him, which is why he works. He's a little-known piano player from Texas. He's a phenomenal musician. And he actually has music that pushes your brain into a alpha brainwave state, parasympathetic. So the idea is, if you're a baseball player, using the example you mentioned, going off to a game, listen to calming, relaxing music 
three hours, two hours, an hour before the game. And then when it's time to get all fired up, then switch. Mm. Listen to the music, get your heart rate pumping. And go you, back to what you said before, shift. We're shift. going to shift. Yeah. yeah. And so we've got to use music in the background to lower anxiety. Mm. Piano music is amazing. But the other thing is I find myself lately, <laughs> because of my age, when I sit down in front of the TV, I just want to watch black and white. Yeah, and, and, and I'm serious. Andy Griffith, right? Andy Griffith show, like the old stuff. It's just comforting. Really, to it you. Just, it, it's, I'm sorry, but well, we've it talked is. about everybody finding a comfort it, zone. Right? It, it finds a comfort zone, but also it comes back to the value in again the awareness of what's going on in yourself, and realizing that you need to do something, not drink it, smoke it, but find something that works. If you don't have the awareness, and if you don't care to have the awareness. All you're going to do is spread that anxiety like a bad cold or a flu around everybody else because anxiety spreads and it's picked up by others. It does. And the biggest way that it's spreading is through social media. Yeah. The more an individual looks at social media, the more anxious they're going to feel. And so we've got a bad habit here. So what happens today for most people is they say, I think I'd like to take a bit of a break. I'm going to lay down. And as soon as we lay down for just a moment or so, it's just a few seconds later that the phone comes out and we start scrolling through social media. And consequently, that gets the brain engaged. So the body's kind of relaxing, but the brain never really gets a chance to like shut down. And so if you think about it, without the proper rest, and we need rest, our brain is just going, going, going. It can't function like that endlessly. When we had you on before, we talked about sleep is crucial, allowing the brain to shut down. We can't decrease anxiety if we don't first solve sleep. Okay. Yeah. They go hand in hand. Absolutely. It's like the one-two punch. Yes. And you're good to go if you have that. We've got to do more to educate people on proper sleep and anxiety. And one of the commonalities between the two is the cell phone addiction. We talked about that as well. And so if we could do a better job of decreasing the screen time, Every Apple phone now gives you your screen time. You can look and see how many hours a day. Most are averaging about three to four hours a day of screen time. Yeah. And that's time that could be better spent truly allowing the parasympathetic nervous system to kick in, decrease the sympathetic, really rest, and we'd have balance in the nervous system and less anxiety. You words have such value. And this is so important for the show and for the people that are listening. And I really do appreciate you coming on. This is just a, a wonderful experience. But the thing that, you know, we all need to listen to here is that it is a constant awareness because you can slip back at any time. I suffer from anxiety. And what wakes me up in the morning is a turning brain and a turning stomach. I hate it. doesn't happen all the time. But I need to fix that. And I need to fix things that I am aware of, not to just ignore them. Not to just push them aside and say, well, they'll go away one day. They say, when we look at what causes cancer, one of the things that comes up is stress. Yeah. Stress, does it? Yeah. It's the stomach. You can feel it turn. And it's an ugly feeling, and I hate it. But a lot of these things cause you to be more aware and take control of your life and find things that work for you. Am I correct? Well, absolutely. Because a lot of times our messes in our life become our missions, right? The pain becomes part of our purpose and is what drives us. And so I know that none of us wants to wrestle with anxiety, struggle with anxiety, but at the same time, some of that also brings in awareness and leads us to other healthier practices in life as well. Yeah. Ultimately with anxiety, it's this. 
part of it is learned and part of it is genetic. We have to understand that this mm-hmm. is genetic and that there's a neurological basis to this, a chemical basis to this, and also a deep psychological that we can listen to relaxing piano music and we can have a good workout and we can get good sleep. But some of that may not touch the deeper background anxiety, that, right. that it's just always there. Right. And obviously I'm biased, but that's really where good, deep counseling comes in, where we really go after the roots of the weed, talk it through, try to understand how is this formulated in the first place in our lives and in our journey. And what I found is that if you can actually get to the root of the weed and process that and pull that weed out, then the anxiety will decrease in intensity, duration, and frequency. And that's progress. Yeah. And you're, you're living it. Yeah. I'm living it. You're living it, Steve. And I don't want anybody to think that listens to the show that just because I'm a sensei and I walk around with a black belt or you come with your knowledge and your background and you, Steve, that any of us are immune to it. We deal with it. It's part of us. We're all in the same boat. You know, again, the quality of these shows are great, and well, I really appreciate it. Uh, that's them. why I love doing this podcast, because I get to bring in Dr. Spencer, for instance. And I don't say that to blow smoke. I mean, I've read his book, but there's nothing that beats one-on-one no. sitting and talking to him. I'm well, getting my money clip out right now. What do we owe you? <laughs> <laughs> well, what I do is I love this, because what you guys have is a sensitivity to what's really going on with people. And because of this podcast, you're able to share it with lots of your listeners, And it's one reason why I'm very passionate about getting the word out there and letting people know. So I'm grateful to you guys for valuing this topic enough to say, okay, Jared, let us hear what you have to say so that we can benefit and benefit others. Well, thank you for that. But uh, Tim, you don't have to share the name specifically, but just on the way over here, you said one of your senseis thanked you for the podcast. Yeah, she did. And um, it means a lot. And that's one of your students, somebody you probably didn't really think would even listen, let alone go out of her way to thank you for this, that it's enhancing her life. Shot a text to me and said, hey, just appreciate, you know, I'm in a pretty dark time, but listening to the shows helped me pull myself out. You know, just for you know, too, everybody that, I mean, we just asked you to be here. We're not paying you. Your time is so valuable. You're all over the place. And for you to just sit with us for an hour and give us this great insight into ourselves is just so valuable, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Dr. Spencer, sports psychologist and uh, author of the book, Mind of the Athlete, Clearer Mind, Better Performance. And I got to check out Danny Wright, you recommend, huh? I want to look him up. Absolutely. You will not be disappointed. All right. Oh, good thank stuff. You. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Attack Life, Not Others. Subscribe to our podcast. And for more on our way of life through the martial arts, go to hooverkarate.com. This has been a Steve Mittenin social media creation. Steve Mittenin social media.com.